Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, I have a question for you. Does anyone here consider yourself inherently an optimist? I am. I see a number of hands. For the rest of you, are you willing to be an optimist? <laughs> That's really the great work, right? You're given a series of circumstances and facts in life, and then we make decisions about what they mean and what the world means and how things operate. And depending on how they were presented to us, it is very easy to think such things as life is hard, this is awful, this isn't easy, everyone's out to get me, and, and to provide justification for that. I know I can look at my life and I can find ample evidence to support that, right? And it is also just as easy to look and say, hey, life is great, life is wonderful, this is fun, I'm having a good time. And even if I'm not having a good time, then at least this time has meaning and purpose. I, I can do that. So in unity, we are pretty much optimists by our nature. And we invite others to come in and to learn to shift some life energy to get to that point. And I don't say that to be Pollyanna and look at the world through rose-colored glasses or tinted contact lenses, if that's what works for you, but rather as saying uh, that we present teachings that help people live life and have life abundantly, as Jesus said, or to have lives of meaning and purpose, or to feel an inherent sense of optimism. Everything will work out, even if current facts are kind of crummy. And in your life and in my life, for sure, I've gone through times when the current facts were kind of crummy, and I wasn't really too happy about it. And those periods come and go, and they come and go, and that's the ebb and flow of life. But underneath it all is a sense of optimism. And I have to say, it was learned. I don't know if I was always that way. Because I have been acquainted with some thought patterns that we might describe as depressing or depressive. And it was really easy to stay there. Very easy. I remember what was the defining moment where I learned something different, where I was invited into a different reality. And in fact, in the metaphysical group, we were talking about that very thing. What is the wake-up call we get in life that helps us to shift our perspective? And one of the class members shared about a time or a repeated experience of acknowledging greater love and feeling a sense of connection and peaceful and joy and, and, and all of that. Another member served, shared that when she is in meaningful service that she feels really great. And I said, but wait a minute, folks. Hasn't anybody here had an awakening experience from hitting rock bottom having depression, going through a divorce, having a diagnosis, having financial trouble, and just really getting there to that point of saying, ugh, I hate this. Something has to be different. 
Or maybe you've found yourself at a time, and we talked about this in the metaphysical group today, a time in your life when you weren't even thinking that, but there was something within you that just kind of dragged you forward and kept you going to the point where you could realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm still here. There's still something alive in me. There's still something good. The storm is passing. You know, it's like the Poseidon Adventure. Remember Shelley Winters singing, there's got to be a morning after. Anybody remember the Poseidon Adventure? Okay, okay, great. I want to make sure I'm not making archaic references that are so archaic nobody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) So here I was, young man, moved out of, uh, graduated from college, had lived abroad, done really great things, moved to a small southern town, was working in a job I hated. It didn't pay very much money, and I was really depressed. I'm thinking, holy moly, my student loans are this tall. My income is this low. My car insurance is this high. Mom and dad are really getting tired of that phone call. Hey, um, it's me. Do you have any money? Um, Something had to give. And I was invited by a friend to go to Unity Christ Church of Wilmington, November 5th, 1989. And that's where I learned optimism. That's where I learned to see the world in a different way. That's when I learned a new paradigm for understanding how the world works and how I can be in the world. And that paradigm is really summed up in these five provincial, five, 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 I don't know where that came from, spiritual principles that when I made the choice to believe them, things started changing. It wasn't overnight. My student loans didn't suddenly vanish. My propensity for depressive thinking didn't suddenly end. Everything didn't suddenly come up roses. But there were changes happening, changes that made a difference for good. Changes that got me out of container shipping and into ministry. My life changed. My worldview changed. And I found tools that allowed me to capitalize on the strengths that I had and to develop more of them and to at least become aware and begin that lifelong process of eliminating character defects. And I say lifelong because I'm quite clear that I am not done with that process just yet. I have a bunch more yet to release. But I'm more aware of them, more willing to, And so I wanted to have us do this five-week series of back-to-school, back-to-basics with our Unity Principles because I have a desire that everyone here, everyone at home, everyone around the world will have a context, a foundation of thought and belief that will allow them to get to that point of optimism that will allow them to very consciously realize that whatever's going on, there is a way through, around, over, or under. And I'm empowered to go around, over, under, so that I can continue to be my best self, to grow into who I've come here to be as an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of the universe. Because that's what I believe about everybody here, and everybody at home, and everybody on planet Earth. 
whether or not they choose to believe it for themselves. It's like they say in some rooms, you can believe more for me than I can believe about for myself, and vice versa. And if you need some faith, you can borrow some of mine, because sometimes we need others to hold us up when we are on that roller coaster of life. And for us to be able to do that for others as well as for ourselves, it is imperative we have a foundation that leads us in the good, that allows us to know ourselves as good. And that's why we have these five principles. So I want to do a recap of where we've been. Let's look at principle number one. In our booklet, it's phrased as God is absolute good everywhere present. For the children's version, it's read a little different, and I actually like it better. God is good and active in everything, everywhere. Or the exceedingly short form, God is. So what this lets us know is whatever the conditions are in our life or around the world, whatever the facts are, somehow, some way, even though we may not be real clear about it, the presence and power of goodness is there. Nobody is ever suffering alone, though we might think we are. Remember Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know anybody who hasn't thought that at one point in their lives, but the truth is that presence of goodness was always there. And in that story of the passion, it's revealed how that happens. And how many of us at one point or another have had that sort of a resurrection experience when we realized Whoa, I survived that. And here I am. God is. Goodness is. It just exists. That is our foundation. So we build up to the next principle, principle number two. As phrased in our booklet, human beings have a spark of divinity within them, the Christ spirit within Their very essence is of God, and therefore they are also inherently good. I don't like the word spark. I want a raging inferno of good. I'm just going to send Reverend Ellen, the editor of this booklet, a little email to that effect. But sometimes it only seems like there's just a spark. Sometimes we're looking deep within. We may have accumulated beliefs about ourselves that said, I don't know if there's a raging inferno of good, but I might plea bargain to a a spark. (laughs) The children's version, which I prefer, I am naturally good because God's divinity is in me and in everyone. Okay, this takes some work sometimes, doesn't it? You may have encountered a person or two along the way and you think, They'd be really lucky to have just a spark. (laughs) But we need to hold that and know that. And the short form is, I am. Because whatever we have been told about ourselves or may have picked up about ourselves, we are all good at our core. And for a lot of us, that takes a lot of work. Maybe we've said or done things or not said or done things that would cause us to erase that. It just means you're a human being. And those are wonderful, powerful ways of learning. The 
the easy way and the hard way. But the truth is, we're all good at our core. Our work is just to reveal that and release what is not that. So our second short form is, I am. Number three, this is a large one. It occupies a tremendous amount of space in our unity teachings. According to our booklet, it says, human beings create their experiences by the activity of their thinking. Everything in the manifest realm has its beginning and thought. If you were with us on week three, you know I changed this one considerably, and it's on the video archive if you want to take a look at it later. Thought is powerful. The children's version is, I create my experiences by what I choose to think and feel and believe. And the very short form is, I think. So all the aforementioned being true, it's really important for us to understand the power of our thinking. Through the power of our thinking, we can create amazing things. We can create amazing experiences. We can interpret our life experiences however we want. In the, through the interpretation, that's the experience we're creating. And yes, sometimes we do set ourselves up for a really rocky road because of things we specifically said or did. And yet sometimes life happens. Things happen to us. I am hesitant to say everything that happens to us begins with our own thought. I don't think that's true in the least. Because anything can happen to anyone at any time. You probably know stories of people who did everything right and then got X or this happened. Or people did everything wrong and seemed to get off scot-free. What you think about all that is what makes a difference. So when life happens to you, you have a choice. You can make it mean, oh my goodness, I'm such a victim, I'm bad, this is awful. Or you can make it mean, what am I learning here? How am I growing? What's being awakened in me that will allow me to be a better person? It's almost like being on the hero's journey. The hero gets a call and has all these challenges and trials. And along the way of getting to the successful place, the hero or the shero, we're watching Britannia, and it has a shero on it, Amazon Prime. Anyway, all these journeys and all these challenges, and along the way, every hero and shero thinks to him or herself, oh, I'm not strong enough, I'm not capable, why is this happening to me, I didn't choose this, all of that sort of thing. But the hero or shero's thought ultimately is what's most powerful in getting them to where they are going. So we have that power by our thinking to create the interpretation of the experience as well as creating actual experiences themselves. I think. Principle number four. Human beings create their experiences by the, uh, oh, that's the same thing. Principle number four, I, re I miscopied. Number four, prayer is creative thinking that heightens the connection with God mind and therefore brings forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. The children's version is through affirmative prayer meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. Or we simply shorten that to, I pray. I pray. 
Prayer is powerful. It is through prayer and meditation, through spiritual practice. We sometimes say prayers when we talk to the God of our understanding, whether that's outside, inside, all around. Meditation is listening, being receptive to an experience of the holy. These practices are what keep us centered and grounded so that we can know the truth of ourselves without a position of hubris or arrogance, but simply to know we are one with all of nature, with all of one another, with the infinity of the universe that we call God. We stay open and receptive to the divine ideas that seem to come from out of the blue, another name for God. So we want to stay open and receptive to divine inspiration. We want to stay open and receptive to faith that we will get to where we're going, to belief in good, because that gives us strength and power. You know, it was, there's a story told, I forget what the situation was, and I've mentioned it before, when somebody went to a minister and said, hey, here's what's going on, and, and the minister said, well, let's pray about it. And the person responded, oh, my God, is it that bad? <laughs> no, it is not that bad. That's our starting point. We start by connecting with the limitless source of divine ideas and then go for it. I pray. So principle number five, this is where we wrap it up. Knowing and understanding the laws of life, also called truth, are not enough. A person must live the truth that he or she knows. The children's version reads, I do and I give my best by living the truth I know. I make a difference. The short form, I live. I live. Wow. You put all this together. We start with the foundation where we build. The nature of God is altogether good. From this goodness, I emerge. From myself, I have the capacity to think. I have then from there, I have the capacity to pray, to remind myself I am connected with the source of all good. And then I just go out and do something good, be something good, make a difference somehow. You know, we often describe unity as a positive path for spiritual living. And these principles clearly indicate that. They tell us that each and every one of us has the inherent capacity to create meaningful and fulfilling lives for ourselves and to co-create with all others a world awakened to peace, abundance, and respect for all creation, as stated in our vision statement here at Unity of Fairfax. I wish I could end my talk right there. However, however, easy to say, not so easy to do. So with all the aforementioned being true, I wonder why it is that people, and that's people in general, not any particular person, find themselves leading unfulfilling and unhappy lives. And why is it that we have not made manifest peace on earth, goodwill towards all? Well, the answer is they haven't found unity. Well, that's a very short-form answer, and it is incorrect. <laughs> Finding unity is a part of the process. It is for us, not for others, but that's fine. 
I just wish that demonstrating peace on earth, goodwill towards all, and living happy and abundant, fulfilling life every moment of the day was an all-you-got-to-do job. Because all you got to do is change your thinking, right? Change your life. All you got to do. It's all you got to do. Piece of cake. We like cake around here. So here's the paradox. is that as we discover and recognize the uh, blocks and impediments to our good in the largest sense of the term, that in that same moment, we discover more fully our union and our oneness with God by whatever the name. It is by encountering, engaging, and eliminating our limiting beliefs and attitudes that we realize more and more the truth of who we are as individualized expressions of the creative magnificence of God. But this is tremendous work. Marguerite and I had a conversation about this this week. This is tremendous work when we're presented with new information and new ideas. It is a tremendous work to release one embedded thought attitude and replace it with another. Ask anybody who's beaten or beating an addiction or doing a diet or exercising on a regular basis. It's so much easier to stay on the couch and eat Doritos. I mean, that's easy to do. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. That once a limiting belief, behavior, whatever, is acknowledged, it is no longer a big green monster hiding under the bed waiting to spring upon you when you least expect it. It is something known, and if you know what it is, then you can use your thinking and your prayer and your meditation to, in some way or another, address it from a position of power. See, that's what understanding that you are an individualized expression of God means is that I am powerful to address whatever is in my internal world as well as in my external world. You see, and there are powerful, empowered people doing this sort of work on the biggest stages in the world and the most intimate and private. You know, there are fantastic tools in spirituality and mental health and activism that are available to everybody, especially when they realize, oh, wait a minute, I actually can do something. I make a difference in the world. Anyone who has reached a goal, risen above an internally or externally imposed condition of limitation, has used all of these principles in some way, shape, or form. Whether they use this languaging or not, they have accessed a power, a capacity to think, a belief system, a practice that allows them to continue to engage and make a difference. You see, here's the problem. So many of us, and probably all of us, have embedded belief systems You know what a belief system is, don't you? It's BS. (laughs) We all have it. It comes with having skin. That's part of the deal. And we have an innate capacity to be blind to our own BS. So much so that we, and we definitely include this guy, can deny tooth and nail that we don't have those behaviors, those belief patterns those attitudes. Maybe we are too spiritual (laughs) to entertain such belief patterns and behaviors. Maybe we've moved beyond that. My mom, who is watching, hi mom, hi dad, 
has a stock saying, and it is so beautiful in its simplicity and so powerful and so annoying all at the same time. <laughs> She's a mom. She says things like that. Just human beings are born with a state-of-the-art system of denial. And apparently, unlike some of the other programs that we use on a regular basis, this one is updated regularly. And unlike all the other system upgrades we've ever had, this one is always upgraded seamlessly. You ever notice, like, you're going from one program to another, the, the programmers all tell you, oh, this is seamless integration. You won't even notice a difference. Ha! <laughs> right. Thank you. Let us pray. So ultimately, what's being denied when we talk about the state-of-the-art denial system? Well, no doubt, many things. But I would speculate two things in particular. Being wrong and being afraid. Nobody ever wants to admit I was wrong or I was afraid. So what's so bad about admitting you were wrong? Well, the apparent cost, obviously. The loss of stature, loss of position, loss of prestige, loss of so many things. So rather than admit being wrong, we screwed up, made a mistake, many folks choose to deny it. And in the denial, make things even worse. The denial operating system is powerful. And it's present. But eventually, somehow, some way, if we are committed to our spiritual growth and development, we will get there and say such things like, I admit I'm powerless over X. Or admit, yeah, I did that. I was wrong. Fear works in the same way. You know, sometimes we say or do things because we are afraid that if we say X, then Y will happen. And why is not pretty. Think about the cost of going against the grain or stepping out of line. Not going along with everybody else. Case in point, I, I don't really have the math gene. I'm not really the one who should be doing things with a lot of numbers. That's why we have Patty Wilcox. <laughs> I remember my junior year of high school, we had an option. We could take a class on a pass-fail option. You either passed it or you failed it, but it wouldn't count towards your GPA. I was labeled in school as academically gifted. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Kathy got. And uh, so <laughs> I heard a laugh. So I took trigonometry and analytical geometry on the pass-fail option. Let me tell you, the, the hounding I got from my scholarly academic peers was merciless. I almost didn't tell, I kind of wish I didn't tell anybody. But I was afraid I would fail. And what would happen? Yeah. I went against the grain. And you know what? I lived. And there are a lot bigger things than that in the world where people have to go against the grain. Whether it's, well, you, you know, there's all kinds of chances whether it's violating a family norm or coming out or joining a different political activity or speaking out about this, that, or the other thing. Whoa! I'm going to get called out for that. You're right. A lot of people do. 
like Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Jesus, who said on more than one occasion, you have heard it said, but I say to you, there are enormous gains to be made as well when we step out of line, step beyond the fear. You see, with this state-of-the-art denial system, there is a system administrator who can override that. And that system administrator who has credentials in all branches of the program is you. By integrating the consciousness of these principles, you can override the programming that does not accord with the truth of your being, with who you have come here to be. You can override any of the programming that precludes you from sharing your gifts and talents in the world. Now, I can assure you, this will not always be easy. But you don't have to continue to hold a negative self-opinion. You don't have to stay in a relationship that is abusive. You don't have to continue to work in a toxic workplace. You don't have to abet systems of systemic oppression and injustice. And yes, there will always be resistance to making a change in your internal or external status quo. And it's not just limited to trigonometry and analytical geometry. And when you encounter the resistance in working principle number five, when you're out there making your difference and going out there and then reading, meeting resistance and feeling tired and feeling afraid and starting to feel doubt, all you got to do is go back to principle number one. The nature of God is altogether good. I am good. I think I pray. There is no but in this sentence. You know, to use a little bit of anthropomorphic languaging, which we try to avoid here in unity, but it, it proves the point. There's an expression I learned from my ministerial partner in St. Petersburg who said this once, and I'll love her for it forever. Do you tell God how big your problems are, or do you tell your problems how big your God is? That's a summation of these teachings. God is, I am, I think, I pray, I live. So our homework this evening, your homework, mine as well, and this week, is to consider all the areas of your life where your denial operating system is hard at work, keeping you down. And the second part of that homework is to remember that you are the operating system administrator and you can dis disable it. You have that power. And in truth, you are that power incarnate. At Unity of Fairfax, we've been teaching these principles for 66 years and will continue to do so because we as a community are committed to living the truth we know 
we make a difference. And next Sunday, September 18th, we will be celebrating 66 years of making a difference. So bring your friends, bring your family, and join us. There will be cake. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.